Replicants are like any other machine. They're either a benefit or a hazard. They're a benefit, it's not my problem. We don't have to be mean, because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Conan, what is best in life? Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and they hear the lamentation of their women. Groovy. Can you hammer a six-inch spike through a board with your penis? Not right now. The girl's got to have her standards. It gives her a sense of control in a world full of chaos. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in the philosophy of a ruling class, especially since I rule. You have offended my family, and you have offended the Shaolin Temple. Hey, welcome to another episode of Cult of Classics, the podcast that slams that bully into the locker in school and says, you must be confusing me with somebody who gives a shit. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about the film Screamers. Screamers. From 1995, one of the greatest years in all of history. Absolutely. At least that's when Windows released their revolutionary OS. Yeah, and then they danced and danced. (laughs) (laughs) You ever seen that video of like the Windows launch of Windows 95? Oh my God, it's like a tech conference and they all start dancing on stage. It's like Bill Gates and a bunch of other like Microsoft execs. And it's just like, they're like, here we go. And one and two. And one and two. And one and two. And all of them were billionaires. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) But none of them ever learned how to dance. Yeah. Who the fuck are you? My name, <laughs> I'm the realist in the game. My name is Tarver Peterson, and <laughs> to my right, I got my boy Liam Kelly. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> and today, like I said, we're going to be talking about this uh, this movie, and I think, Liam, you're going to take us, take us away on this one. I am. I am. I am. Yeah, so uh, Screamers, 1995. Um, just some, some opening thoughts, opening plot. This is about um, a trade war, question mark? Um, <laughs> that is, uh, that's the premise, right? That's, that's yeah. what we're told... Is is the 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 plot of the film? Or yeah, the the the, the not the, the plot, but the the structure of the movie. Yeah, the the insi- the the overarching plot um, that has it's minorly related to the actual plot of this movie is that um, there has been a new substance, a new fuel source called like berinium, berinium yeah. um, discovered, and it's on this planet Sirius Six B that um, there was. Uh, a mining operation started uh, from for this company called NEB, yeah, uh, NEB, mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, they that stands for New Economic Block, um, but they started mining and they realized that the mines were releasing extraordinary amounts of like radioactive gas. So the people on the planet who were working for NEB started a strike. And can, I, were, can I stop you for a second? Yeah, I just want to say that in 1995 they had a better name for their crazy uh, energy producing mineral than James Cameron did with unobtainium. Yeah. Berinium is just uh, a thousand times better. Yeah. It's, it's, you're just like, hey, berinium, here we go. We got yeah. it. <laughs> I got it. It's good. <laughs> unobtainium. It's like, well, I guess they're not going to get it, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so uh, Neb sends strike breakers and, and mercenaries up to the planet that they're on, Sirius 6B, um, to get the workers back in line. They're basically like, fuck your feelings, fuck your life. I don't care if it's radioactive. You won't get this shit because it's worth a lot of money and it powers our spaceships and all that shit. It, it, is, it, is, the, it is the spice like in Dune. Like it, this runs the galaxy. Like he who controls the spice controls the universe. Like It, it is uh, the spice. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it, it is. If you control the, a substance that can move somebody from Earth to Saturn, 
Yeah. You know, then you control the universe. You control the galaxy. Yeah. And so we come upon our heroes. Uh, they are alliance workers. Alliance is the... Um, the coalition of the former miners who were destroyed and, and attacked by um, the the Neb. Um, did you mention that they nuked the fucking planet? Did they nuke it, though? They nuked the planet. Okay, because later in the movie, Peter Weller is the star of this movie. Yeah. Robocop himself. Old, old fucking... Also Buckaroo Banzai. Buckaroo Banzai looking ass. And uh, he... Uh, <laughs> he is the commander of this alliance post, which apparently there's like a cold war going on on Earth, and you know they're actually fighting on on Sirius Six B. Right. They say they nuked the uh, the city, the, yeah, the mining you see city. This, they call them disc nukes. Yeah. Okay. So, but later in the movie, Peter Weller says we haven't used nukes in this conflict yet, and we're not going to start now. When they discover the like the nuke Maybe gun. he means that the Alliance hasn't used nukes. Okay, that would make sense. That would make sense. But they, their cities were nuked. But yeah, we come upon... And the, the basic premise is that um, to fend off the, the much more wealthy and empowered Neb forces, um, the Alliance created these artificially intelligent killing robots called Screamers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the screamers are like they, they look like little torpedoes that travel underneath the sand. Yeah. Um, and they track heartbeats. So they're not they're not allied in particular to any one side. Um, and these screamers, what they do is like they travel under the ground. You can see them like like they look like the worms from Tremors. Um, and then they m- make this screaming noise as they come at you to hack you up and kill you. And they have yeah these super fast spinning saw blades. Yeah, um, and then you know we the plot thickens from there. But to give some kind of general notes before it, and I, you know, with Cult of Classics, we assume that you've seen the motherfucking movie, so yeah. let's get it. <laughs> um, generally, you know this is it's a great B quality sci-fi. Um, Peter Weller. <laughs> He be, he hold down the script, you know. He does him best. He, he, he really he does have a lot of presence. <laughs> he does. He's a, he's a very charismatic guy. He's got a great voice, yeah. you know. He he holds it down. A lesser actor would have just made this some other like run of the mill sci fi trash. I feel. Yeah. Um, and because it's a less than perfect script, as you and can tell from the convoluted ass like overarching plot between the Alliance and the Neb. I'm, I'm glad you're fucking yeah pointing that out because he's working against a lot of factors. The script. Yeah. You know, actor. A lot of actors that aren't on his level. His yeah. hair line is fighting the fuck out of him the whole movie. <laughs> really? yeah. He's losing the battle, but like he's going to win the war. He's going to get there, god damn it. He's going to keep a little bit on top for the duration of the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we the, the, the plot, it's strained, but we get the idea um, of these forgotten armies that are fighting for a cause that only they still care about. Um, and, you know, it, it achieves this really great post-apocalyptic feel that a lot of similar movies would try and capture on Earth in an effective way. But it's, um, in my opinion, the movie is at its best when it's just Peter Weller's character, Hendrickson, and Jefferson, his little buddy that he goes on his adventure with in the wasteland, and then, you know, through the beginning of the climax. You're talking about the level six gunnery sergeant? The level six gunnery sergeant who never shoots shit? Yeah. <laughs> they make, like, a really pointed line a about it. He's like, huge deal. You could shoot the dots off the dots off a die from 100 yards. Mm-hmm. He's like, and will that be relevant later on? Absolutely not. Yeah, I was like, you're never going to... 
Come he does on, make he, him do like a crazy shot. I think he shoots like one. He shoots a David. Well, later he shoots no. He shoots the missile. He shoots, kills all the Davids. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But so I mean, does, still, it's like it's a missile. Yeah, and it's a huge explosion. <laughs> like I can do that. He essentially shoots a grenade launcher into like a football goalpost yeah. <laughs> from not very far away. <laughs> No. But you know, it was good that it was him that did it. I love, how the, I love the missile was so little. A little. Like, it was such a little, like, like t- obviously toy. Like a painted Nerf gun, a Nerf, a Nerf ball. Yeah, it didn't look. It didn't look anything like a missile. I expected it to hit and just be like, kink. <laughs> <laughs> and then David just like, can I come with you? And he's just like, God damn, I should have known it was bullshit. But um, getting right into it, Act One. Uh, the opening credits of this movie are dope. <laughs> <laughs> they are awesome. Like the the font is like it's it's like the perfect dark font. Like you, have you, you ever like played this, that on N sixty four? I lot. did like it. I liked it. I liked it. But it's hard I was to fucking read. Yeah, I was. I was <laughs> glad. I was like I, at first I was cracking on it because they had somebody narrate the the opening scroll. Right. But I was like, oh no, I really appreciate that because I can't read what the fuck it's. No. It looks cool. Yeah, like it looks like space, but it's like really fucking hard I, to I, read. I love that decision. Like they were not willing to change the font, <laughs> even though they're like, hey, we can't read it. They didn't want to compromise. They're like, just get somebody to narrate. It doesn't matter. It yeah. looks uh, cool. Look how cool it looks. And they're like, are you fucking serious? And they're like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Put it together. Put it all together. Do it, goddammit. <laughs> We've got $20 million to spend. <laughs> We're not going to make any of it back, so let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 like canned nostalgia for the, the hard sci-fi of the 90s. Like, I got vibes of Universal Soldier. I got yeah. vibes of Cube. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of, this kind of, like, grungy, gritty sci-fi. Yeah. Um, and the art is great in the opening sequence after the actual title scroll. Um, it's, it gives us the, it sets up the remote and like desolate landscape that we're going to be in for the duration of the film on, on Sirius 6B. Um, and I think they did a good job on their set design, for sure. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably one of the strongest things about the movie. Um, which they is They great. used like a straight up backdrop, it looked like to me. Like they, they had like all the, um, uh, and they're like a really good backdrop. It looks like they, you know, they were out in, some desert kind of looking shit, mm-hmm. and then they, I mean, I guess they could have just keyed it out and like put it, put it there. But even a lot of the set work is great. Like when they get to the Neb Command, that's fucking awesome. The Neb Command is great. It looks great. The bunker is actually the pretty bu- cool. The bunker looks pretty good. Um, except for the honeycomb video wall. Did you understand that <laughs> yeah, at all? I didn't like, get it. I was, I was like, like, I guess that makes sense, sort of. Like, why not just have one giant video? But why, yeah, why is it a honeycomb? <laughs> like that was the thing. And why do you walk through it? Because we in space, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, guess, I guess they're like, hey, this is a future of space. Come on, now, stop. Yeah, look at that pattern. Good for you. Get over it. But um, it's a goldfish. We move into from this dope ass opening shot. We we move into uh, one of the two weakest parts of the film, which are the beginning and the end. <laughs> they are clearly the weakest. It's very bad. But the movie. I want to stress up front. I say everything I say about this movie out of love. I do. I really enjoyed watching this movie. Um, but the you know we get two characters just fresh pressed from the the space war cliche machine, and like they see an, an incoming Neb trooper um, who is alone and they're just kind of freaked out about it. But one guy's just like I mean he's gambling for cigarettes and he's got like he looks like like a Bobo Kurt Russell and he's like take the shot take him out like eventually at first he's gonna shoot him and then his other little buddy is like no I got him. It's a girl. Yeah. And I don't know why that's significant other than that she cries when she when she's watching him die. Yeah. Like, did well, you notice he, that? And, but he vomits. Yeah, like, he vomits and she cries. Yeah. 
I don't get it. I mean, it would have been just as significant if it was a man or a woman. It, it's not like a great part because we never see them again. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Thank though. God. They're very bad actors. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we <laughs> we get introduced to these different factions. It's like, don't worry. These people don't matter at all. <laughs> this scene, his only purpose is to show us how badly the screamers can fuck you up because we see the Neb, Neb guy get straight shredded by a bunch of screamers like arms legs head everything like all that um and it's really the only time we get any kind of kills or gore from the screamers for almost the entire movie uh until we get our big reveal at the end that yeah i think that is the only like that is the goriest part about the whole film yeah and i it's it's the only on camera screamer Screamer kill kill. i mean well besides Uh, the knife throw yeah until the very end and like we don't even know at the knife throw if he is a Uh, if he's a screamer or not i I really wish he wasn't yeah i will say that i think this film would be way better if if the the like fun mirror house screamer reveals stopped yeah and it would have been it would have served to like actually give the screamer team that we end, we end up, we find out eventually that we're working against towards the end of the movie, like with Becker and Hanson and all them, um, it would have given them like some semblance of strategy beyond just like get to the base. Um, if we found out that there was one human left and they killed him, and you know they they made it look like he was a screamer when in fact he was a man. Yeah. But who knows? Because we don't. For all the exposition that we do get in this movie, we never find out whether or not that Ross is actually a screamer or not. Um, but yeah, we we um, directly after this kill, we learn about uh, the the little things that keep the screamers from detecting your heartbeat because Chuck the tabs. Yeah, the tabs. One of the two people on this bunker who actually matter, Chuck and Hendrickson, yep. Peter Weller and his buddy, whose name is uh, Ron White. <laughs> yeah, I was confused when it started. I was like, wait for real? I was like, am I about to watch a movie with Tater Salad? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's get it. Yeah, um, this but is, it is a different. It's Ron a different White. Ron White. Um, we learn about. Uh, this potential truce um, because the two, yeah, like I said, the two people who matter come into play. Yeah. Um, we learn more about the NEB and the Alliance on earth through uh, this VR transmission from mm-hmm. secretary green. Um, because as soon as they get this word of the truce, they send, they send a message to earth, just letting them know that the NEB on Sirius six B are interested in maybe starting peace talks. And then they get this VR transmission from this Alliance commander guy saying like, we got it on earth, baby. Don't even worry about it. You don't need to go over there. Just chill. Just chill. Just don't even, don't go over there. Don't go there at all. Everything's Gucci. And, um, but the, the, none of that really matters too much because the outer plot of this movie is just it's it's just a device to get these guys to go on their eventual mission. Um, the best part about the opening scenes is Peter Weller's dope office and him listening to Mozart and just being a G. Um, and we learn about the these red cigarettes that yeah, counter yeah. radiation yeah, poisoning. Two, the two important things are reds and tabs. Yeah, reds and tabs. We get that. Mm-hmm. Um, Hendrickson is an astute. He's Son a, of a bitch. We get a really smart protagonist, which is cool. Yeah, I like, like that. He's, he's he he takes a part of Screamer at one point. Like yeah. he's under, he understands code. Yeah, like he's he's looking through the programming of them. Like he understands, um, you know, he's he's a man of history too. He's like examining the opening shot that you're that Liam's talking about with Mozart. He's examining a coin from mm-hmm. like the Roman emperor or empire. Yeah, and we get. I mean, we get a lot of. Uh, kind of information about him set up just like w- w- through showing and not telling, which I yeah. like. Um, but yeah, I, I like this is this kind of directly mir- a lot of this movie really directly mirrors the thing in my mind because they're so the plots are so similar. Like mm-hmm. we have you know a, a, a 
villain that we only sort of understand. Um, and there are some rules that come into play where it's, you know, it's, it's mimicking humans and it's not as perfect a mimic as the thing, but the thing is much better. The thing is much better, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the thing is a much better movie, but yeah. the, uh, the protagonist like Kurt Russell in the thing is smart. Like he's yes. not fucking around just doing bravado bullshit actions. Like he's actually Pete and Peter Weller in screamers is like super astute. Yeah. He, um, he hears the transmission from secretary green. Um, and he pretty much breaks down that nobody on Earth cares about the war anymore. Like, he lays it out that they're only keeping people on, on Sirius 6B alive to make sure that no fighting actually happens on Earth where it matters because they have families that are on Earth. So if they were to just, you know, scrap the whole thing and not send them supplies and, like, let them well, all die up there. Well, he puts that together after the crash. Have you talked about the crash? Oh, yeah. No, not yet. Not yet. Because that's how... that's how, uh, And he puts it together really well and really quickly, and he explains it to Chuck. Yeah. And it, you know, essentially explains it to the audience, what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Oh, well, and Chuck is more optimistic. Yeah, because a plane, a plane crashes. A, a plane. It looks like a plane. A it's spacecraft. A, it's a spacecraft. Yeah, it does um, look like a straight-up plane. It just still looks like a plane um, or like an air... Like a shuttle from, like, our time, which is, seems silly, because <laughs> yeah, it's set in 2078. Yeah, it's, it's like 95. Yeah, but the the shuttle lands, and one survivor, Ace Jefferson, Ace Jefferson, um, level six gunnery sergeant. Absolutely. He uh, explains that like he's like, no, there's a war going on at Neb Six, or not at uh, uh, Trident Four. Trident Four. Trident Four. Yeah, he's like Trident Layers. Yeah, <laughs> there's a war going on. <laughs> Trident Layers. Nine out of ten dentists are involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a they, basically he says that they've found uh, Burnium on Trident and Four. Like, we know that, and he's like, "Yeah, but there's a war going on over it. It's, there's no peace talk." Yeah, and we we never get an explanation from him as to how they ended up on Sirius Six B, though, because we have no idea where those planets are in relation to one another. Well, yeah, we don't we don't know why what damaged their ship and why they fell out of orbit. And it's never discussed again. Or fell in, yeah. It's never discussed again. We just need him there to give information yeah. to Jefferson. Yeah, he's an exposition machine, and then he turns into, like, a, a hokey joke factory. I feel like there's a lot of that in this film. Like, like <laughs> yeah. well, there's a lot of things where they, like, they, like, have a really big idea, and they're like, we want to get here, and they just don't have a very subtle way of getting there. Yeah, that's one of the biggest weaknesses in the script, in my opinion. And in any script where, instead of having a way to show what's happening, or, like, like, if you have a, a story like this where it requires a lot of, like, front-loading of information. Right. Where you, you, you don't – you just pick a character and that character says things that should be really obvious to the people that he's talking to. Right. Like, with Jefferson, it makes some sense. Yeah. Because he's smarter than everybody. Yeah. And, well, with Hendrickson, he's smarter than everybody. Sorry, Hendrickson is smarter than everybody. So when he says things to people, it's like – it, it, it makes sense that he's talking to them in such a way. Yeah, and he's an authority figure, so it's his job to give people orders and uh, you know make people understand what he's saying. And with Jefferson, it makes sense because he's new to the planet. Yeah. But it, they just do it in such a shoehorn, like, not subtle way. Like, it's very clear that it's just like, and here's all the information that we're going to need to know for the next scene, so I'm going to say it out loud right now. <laughs> it's really, it's not a great delivery. But, you know, we, we love and we forgive. <laughs> um... Apparently, all bets are off in space, and nobody on Earth really cares what happens on these mining planets because it seems that the same thing that happened on Series 6B, this war, is now going to happen on Trident, on Trident Layers. Um, mm -hmm. But the Alliance are just former NEB members who are unhappy with the working in radi radiation, but now it's there's a land grab, and somehow they're their own mining company. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they, in the beginning, I think they say it's like, 
miners, and then there's another faction that joined with them. Yeah. But but to me, like this is m- my biggest issue, and and I'm, I don't want to like dwell on it too long. But like it it seems strange to me that corporations have somehow have full authority over the military. Yeah, there seems to be no rule of law. There seems to be no Earth government anymore. It just feels like it's the nebulous block versus the alliance. Alliance and but they're both humans. That's yeah. another thing. It's like they're both based on Earth. They're both based on. They don't fight on Earth. They just fight out here. Yeah, and somehow there is like tension on Earth because of these two warring factions. But because they do all their fighting in space, nobody really cares that much. Like it just. It's not a very tight. Right. Plot. It's not tight. Yeah. Yeah. It's loose. It's loose as fuck. <laughs> and and I would like it to be tighter. Yeah. Is what I could stress in this moment. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. But the good thing is, good news, none of that really fucking matters. It, it doesn't matter at all. Because <laughs> yeah. all, like, Jefferson tells Chuck and Hendrickson that Secretary Green has, in fact, not given them a, a VR transmission earlier that day. He's been dead for two years. Um, and that their transmission was bullshit. And, you know, Chuck, the optimist, is not convinced of this. Um, and he's skeptical of Jefferson. But Hendrickson is just like, that checks out. Like, immediately. Yeah, he, he gets it immediately. And he, uh, he he decides to go and take this peace offer from the people who are actually on the planet with him that he's been fighting for years, seriously, mm-hmm. and go see them. He leaves Chuck to hold down the bunker, and he takes Jefferson, old, old Mark VI, <laughs> level yeah. six marksman with him, um, and uh, so that kind of takes us into that takes us into Act Two of the movie is when we get our boys going on their adventure. We got Hendrickson and Jefferson. Yes, um, and we know this because they say their names every time they're addressing one another. <laughs> Hendrickson says Jefferson <laughs> yeah, at so least fifty times. times. I mean, at least fifty times. Like he says it. If you took a shot for every time he says Jefferson, you would be just dead, dead by the, by like, the midway movie. through. I mean, go ahead and try it. Make that the uh, the screamers. Shot game. Yeah. And you can only play until 45 minutes into this, like, two-hour-long movie because you're going to be wasted. (laughs) But they make their way into the the wasteland with one of the most terrible music choices I've ever heard on film. In my life. Ever. It's insane. (laughs) It is. It makes – it it is so off-putting to what they're doing. Yeah, because they're going off on this, like, desperate mission to save their lives and make a peace on this war-torn planet. And it's just the two of them, and they're going out into this incredibly dangerous nuclear wasteland. And then it's like, here's the boys going out on farm. And it's like, what the fuck? And it's uh, it's diagenic because uh, Jefferson puts on his um, Walkman and plays, and then we hear it. But that, to me, was... I mean, I think it's, like, super obvious to all audiences now, but I was like, hey, these things are called screamers, and (laughs) you can't hear them when you're playing, which I'm like, like, I get it. Okay, it's super obvious, but... Damn, it was it felt a way to, to go me. for them planting the seed and just they sure did it and ruining this scene <laughs> like <laughs> they fucking ruined it. Because well, Peter Weller and the guy who plays Jefferson, I forget his name, but they are so, they look dope like they're they, geared up. But but hold on, Liam, this is I have a real big problem with this. Why is there no ATVs? Why do they have no vehicles yeah. that can drive them? I'm like, so why is the Neb base like within walking distance of your base? Yeah, and like. Uh, we are to assume that it takes them at least a day to it, get well, there. Because they spend the night. Because they spend the it, night. So two days of walking. Yeah, two days of straight walking. But, like... That's not that far away. Yeah, and there's no reason... It's a whole planet. So yeah. there should be a vehicle. Yeah. Because all their electronics work. There's nothing wrong with, like, their electronics and combustion engines. Yeah. Well, and come to think of it, you, you know, 
the screamers, if they only track heartbeats, unless they were willing to, you know, circumnavigate the entire globe, they could have gotten away from them simply by moving, like, pretty far away. Yeah. <laughs> There's this huge planet. Or if they didn't build their base underground, couldn't they have just built it up? Yeah. And yeah. then they couldn't have, like, heard their heartbeat? Yeah, if they put it on stilts, then you're Gucci. Yeah. We, we forgive. Yeah. <laughs> I really do not understand why there's not an ATV, though. I was like, okay, yeah. okay, okay, fine, fine. You want to have a Conan running quest. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> I get the running quest. Yeah. Fine. But don't play this goofy music that just completely undermines the whole scene. Well, and there's no reason for them not to be able to travel on ATVs because it doesn't take away from any of the other production of the movie. It doesn't take away from any of the plot. Like if it were Nothing. just if the base were just further away and they had to travel on vehicles, like that would just have one looked cooler, two made sense, and three, like there's no reason for them not to have vehicles on this desolate planet. They were way over budget. How did the fuck did they get to With the visual effects budget of the those VR glasses? Yeah. You mean the ski goggles that he puts on? <laughs> like the, they're the just... titties and like the wormhole? Oh my good lord. Yeah, that was that was tough. That was tough. Um but before that, you know, we get our our you know they they make our way they make their way out into the wasteland. We get the weathered vet and young buck banter. Um and then we go from brown and hot desert to nuclear winter. Uh, we see the actual cityscape that was bombed by by the Neb, where the actual where the mining was taking place originally. Um, and they enter the city, and we meet a young boy named David. Yeah, uh, who is almost immediately identifiable as uh, a motherfucking robot. <laughs> He's just super creepy off the rip. He's just like, "Can I come with you?" Can I come with you? And he gives some very like obvious clues. Like he vaguely answers questions about mm-hmm. how he's like, my parents are dead. And he's like, have you been surviving? What do you eat? Like, how do you get food? He's like, I eat different food. Different kinds. <laughs> and he's got a little teddy bear. Yeah, he got a little teddy bear. And, you know, Peter Weller, you know, he does some decent acting in the scene mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, you, you hold on to him. He's, he's your friend. And we can tell like... You know, these are these are good guys. Peter Willard yes. does not want to take David with him initially because right. he doesn't know what he's getting into. But Jefferson is like, help the boy. Yeah, Jefferson's a sap. Yeah, and he gets played like one. <laughs> and so they end up taking David with them when they when they walk on. They find shelter. Um, but yeah, we we get a good scene in the abandoned building where uh, Jefferson gets attacked by a screamer because he takes his tab off. Um, and but I think really what's happening is that David has tagged them, so the screamer knows where he is because you're supposed to be, the tab is supposed to protect you if it's within a, like a, a little yeah. distance of you. And I'm glad you point that out. And I, and I forgot to mention this, but early in the movie, there's a big mistake I think by the director because he when Chuck goes out to retrieve the message from the guy's hand, mm-hmm. um, he's afraid of the screamers, mm-hmm. but he shouldn't be because there's been no indication that the screamers have done anything but be on the side of the Alliance. Yeah. And the tab has protected them 100%. Yeah. And he is terrified of the screamers. Like, he, he is, is, like, shaking. Like, he is insanely afraid. Well, and the weird thing, too, there is that when he goes to get the... And we see that the screamers take dead bodies down beneath the ground. But mm-hmm. that's later, though. We, we When he's going to get the message that the Neb guy was holding, there, there should be no pulse in that arm. Like, no. there's no reason for the screamer to be able to see where it is. But it does, like, try and pull the arm down and get the message away from him. Right. Like, which, why would it do that? Because we, we think, you know, originally, like, oh, it's trying to keep intelligence from him. But they want, it's their idea, the screamers sent that message. So yes. it's just, it doesn't make a whole lot of fucking sense. 
Um, maybe so he wouldn't find out that it was like a robot guy, like that it was a, uh, a humanoid screamer that took the message. I don't, there's a lot of holes. <laughs> but, you know, Dave is not attacked in this sequence, which he just not he doesn't have a tab. He and doesn't have a tab. But he, he doesn't have to use a red either, which I feel like Jefferson should have, or... Uh, Hendrickson. Hendrickson should have immediately picked that up. Because, yeah. Because, like, that is, uh, like, there's radiation in the air. Yeah. And there's a really great line when they smoke these cigarettes called reds, which, like, prevent, like, they'll protect you from the radiation, basically. They'll purify the air in your lungs, essentially enough, so you can breathe and not die. And he's like, and Jefferson's like, it's really crazy. We got to, like, fill our lungs with this crazy shit to protect our lungs from this crazy shit. <laughs> basically what he says, you know. Yeah. yeah. He's like, isn't it fucking wild how we got to smoke with cigarettes to keep from the radiations, bads? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did he just become? He like, just, like, I think he turned into Tony Danza yeah. in my mind. Like, yeah. he just, he's fucking, and from, from the time we learned that he's a marksman and he delivers his actual pertinent information when they're still at the bunker, he is just a goof. Like, the rest of the movie, he's a goof. Yeah, and he never comes back to be... A, a savior. Yeah, at this campfire scene that you're talking about where the the screamer acts wild and attacks him even though he's uh, even though uh, Hendrickson has a tab, like he starts this thing where he starts talking about cooking his buddy that cooked rats and he like starts talking the specifics and he like never gets off of this nonsense. Yeah. Like he this is like a really this is like a, a thing they're like we need to add some character to Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. And so then for the rest of the trip he's just telling stupid anecdotes yeah. and Hendrickson is telling him to shut up. Yeah, complete non sequiturs. Like it's he's I think they like they're trying to make him into comic relief. But right. they're trying to start a rapport between these two. Yeah, but it just it doesn't it doesn't really work. Well, it's and it's not I think Peter Wells is really trying. Like I yeah. really do. Oh, they're both doing like their best. Peter yeah, Weller. Their, Peter Willis is way better. Yeah, but this guy, he's it's not like he's not taking it seriously. It's not like no, he's, he's trying. He's trying, but like and also he doesn't have a whole lot to work with. I mean, th- just this dialogue is not super good. But I mean, like later they start talking us telling a story about so- soap in his socks and the Yeah. And it and he, and he never even gets to get to a point. No, because Peter Weller's just like, hey, how about you shut the fuck up? And he's like, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm talking bullshit. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. To put the script, just it's a, I don't saw. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, um, but we get to the Ned base finally after this. After this, you know, we we go back to sleep. This is I guess. Act two. Yeah. Well, this is like yeah, we're we're in Act Two now. We're getting to like Act Two and a half. Oh, okay. But we meet our second dynamic duo, Becker and Ross. Um, and Becker has a badass teardrop tattoo, which, which is, is very sig- relevant, significant later on. And uh, Ross wants Becker to get off his back. <laughs> that is his. One line, yeah, straight up. Um, they they Becker and Ross pop Robo David real quick, um, and they let our heroes know about these like upgraded people screamers. Yeah, um, and Hendrickson at this point is shook because he's like, this is supposed to be a fucking robot. Like, yes, and he's had this conversation with with Jefferson a little bit already, where he's just like, we just made them, and now they control themselves, and they just do their thing. And Jefferson's yeah. like. Wait, for real? What the fuck are you talking? Yeah, that's Beth Jefferson's best part and the yeah. most out of character for Hendrickson. Because Jefferson's like, what do you mean you don't know what they do? Yeah, and he's just like, that's what I he's mean. He's like, I already told you to stop fucking asking me questions, <laughs> yeah, Jefferson. Yeah. It's like, yo, no, Hendrickson, you are the man of science. You should be curious as to what the fuck these robots are doing. Yeah, but it's not until this moment that Hendrickson is like genuinely shook by the screamers. Right. Because he's like, oh, my God, like... 
They've evolved. There's also a huge mistake here, I just have to say, is that he doesn't immediately call his base and tell them that there are robots that look like David. Right. He waits until he's in the bunker, and then he's like, ah, bad interference. And he just keeps going. I'm like, dude, you have to, your best friend and everyone you know is in that bunker. Yeah. And you just found out that these robots can look like people. And you know they've destroyed this bunker. You need to go up and call them and tell them right now. Really, Hendrickson, I'm sorry, my voice cracked there. (laughs) Hendrickson is responsible for the death of everybody in the Alliance bunker Mm -hmm. because he couldn't be fucking bothered to go upstairs to make a phone call. He's like, oh, the interference is bad? Ah, figure it out. Fuck (laughs) him. This information that I just found out that has shaken me to my core, listen, I'll tell him. When I fucking tell him, okay? <laughs> I'm fucking Hendrickson. <laughs> yeah. Jefferson's like, hey man, you probably shut the fuck up, Jefferson. Yeah. I mean, like, I tell you I don't care about your rat. I don't care about your socks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I saw, I was like, wait, what are you doing? Yeah. He was like, ah, interference is bad. Let's continue on. Come on, keep talking. <laughs> like so, so Becker and Ross are just like, okay, who the fuck are y'all? Like, clearly their shit is fucked up. Yeah. Um, but Hendrickson is like, let me see your commander. I got this message. And they're like, what message? What are you talking about? And he's like, let me see your fucking commander. So they take him inside. <laughs> um, and um, immediately they, there's a standoff. Like as soon as there's like screamers of people and then it like finally dawns on Jefferson and he's like, yeah, like slowly pointing a gun like, y'all could be screamers. <laughs> and Becker and Ross are immediately like, standoff. And then we meet Hanson. Um, Jessica Hansen, who is pretty and she knows her shit, and she's like, you know, she's she's a a, a tech and I'm like a, a, an outlier, kind of like a mercenary figure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so she gets everybody back in line. Hendrickson has my respect off the riff. You know, they they have their conversation. And she show him her titties. Yes, he sees her titties, and he's like, "You're very beautiful." He's like, "God damn, you're beautiful." <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, you know, nobody has seen the Neb Commander in a while, but uh, Hansen agrees to take them to where he might be, which is the Neb, like, actual headquarters. And this is the best part of the movie. Yeah. This is, like, from, from here on out, we are in the, the peak of the movie. We yeah. get, it starts off kind of rough. and then Real rough. When we get out into the wasteland, like, the, the dialogue's not great. But the action is cool, and we get some some neat world building, and this like this the scenery is awesome. It really does look great. Yeah, it looks fun. It's, I love this portrayal of like nuclear winter. And it looks amazing. That cityscape for something that was yeah um, built on a special effects budget. Like when they when they first see the city, that shot is fantastic. I, I think it's like a really great backdrop. I think it must what it looks be like, yeah. like just really great backdrops yeah. and the lake. Yeah, where he where Hendrickson has what I consider the best bit of dialogue in the movie. He was like, this was once. The most advanced, most like profitable mm-hmm. factory in the universe. Yeah, he was like, or in the galaxy. Like he was like, this is this was once like the center of culture yeah. and like progress in the galaxy. Yep. Yeah, that 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 is really. I mean, like just to, and especially for ninety five. I think the fact that it likely was a backdrop and wasn't actually like a CGI effect, like it probably would be now. Like it just that that's the reason that that shot of the city stands out so so vividly to me, and it holds yeah. up so well. It could be a miniature. To me, it looked like a back. Looked like to me a backdrop. It did. It looked painted. Yeah, yeah it looked painted. Um, so yeah, we get into um, act like two and a half, <laughs> which is where we take the underground tunnels into the Neb Command building. Um, and this is where shit starts to get, like I said, real dope. Uh, the sets are awesome. 
all through, like, from the time we entered these underground tunnels into the Neb Command building, like, the sets are really, like, they're just dingy and grungy, and, like, they kind of remind you of, um, like, the first Alien a little bit, and that it's just, like, kind of abandoned and, and, and dusty, um, but, like, desolate. Um, and the tension is built really well here. Like, beginning with, we see, like, the Ross gets scared by the rats, uh, and then there's the skeleton drop, kind of a jump scare there, moving into, like, the super bloody rooms in the Neb Command Center where we see, like, shit has been fucked here. Yeah. Like, it's, and it's really, they achieve, like, a really, because the, the, the scale of the rooms is so big that you see, like, you can envision this grand building filled with people. Right. And, like, these are supposed to be, like, the, I mean, fueled by these Neb forces, which are extraordinarily wealthy and, like, should be able to do whatever the fuck they want. It's just decimated. Yeah. And it's it's actually pretty scary. Um, and then we have the, the encounter with the, the kangaroo screamer. And, like, it busts in, and everybody has to hide. Like, this is where we get some... This is some good tension building, too, because... you call it the kangaroo screamer. Yeah, well, it kind of looks like a lizard slash kangaroo. Yeah, yeah like, it's it, look like, an, like a... Like, like a... Iguana. Yeah, it's like yeah. a like an iguana with like a rodent body. Yeah, <laughs> but um, because I remember when I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Like it was a giant kangaroo screamer? No, no, no. It's, it's small. It's small. It is like the size of an iguana. Yeah, but it busts in and like they're all so terrified at this little robot because it'll fuck you up. Yeah, and they, I mean, like they they hide from it. Eventually, it gets in. It like it it kind of busts into the computer system, and you're like, it's like trying to take information away because like. We know that the screamers don't want everybody to know what's like what's really been going down. Yeah, and then later we realize that the whole time they're being watched by screamers. Yeah, yeah, but this but this scene comes to a head when we realize that this building is actually filled with screamers. Well, well I gotta tell you, my, my favorite part is how the fucking little iguana screamer does like a double take and like <laughs> it like acts like he's like ah, I ain't fucking with y'all. And then just turns around and jumps straight at him like yeah. a killer. I was like, "Why are you fronting?" Like, it's like it's like I hunt like a cat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, I just like I just lay on the ground, rub my belly, and look yeah. all over, and be like, "Oh, that's not even said." He's like, like it just went straight at it. It didn't go at Hendrickson though, did it? Uh, I don't think so because I think his tab was still working at that point, right? Like he still had he has got his tab yeah, on. But it. I think it went at Jefferson. No, it was with Jeff. Jefferson was with. Um, Homeboy with the glasses. Oh, yeah, Ross, Ross. Ross. It was Jefferson and, and Ross. That's right. So maybe, I mean, I'm sure it probably was a coordinated effort, but maybe, so maybe that points to Ross actually being human because he didn't have a tab. And right. if he wasn't within a couple of feet of Jefferson, then it would have been able to detect his heartbeat. Yes. So I guess Jefferson was just, you know, Billy Badass and survived on his own for quite some time. Though we don't know when the decimation of the Neb base happened. That's true. Like, it could have been recent, I guess. I think it might be because the blood was still everywhere. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. So, this is kind of like the climax where maybe the guy who delivered the actual message to, to try and form a piece was a real human. Was a real human. And he was like the last-ditch effort of the Neb base to try and save themselves from being killed by all these screamers. That's what my headcanon now. Yeah, that's my headcanon. <laughs> and he was very brave, which they make mention of. They were like, can you imagine how fucking brave that guy was? Yeah. Meant to just get hacked up and murdered just to deliver this message. But yeah, so but yeah, this is this is some some well shot shit. This is like the the sets are dope. This is actually a scary part of the movie because um, you hear the Davids. Yeah, the Davids start rolling in, and they're like, "Can I come with you?" You don't really see you see their silhouettes. Can I come with you? 
Yeah. Which is good because as we find out later when we try to show a lot of Davids, it's uh, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well shot chase elements. Everybody's acting is actually pretty good here despite the script being kind of lackluster. Um, but this is where Hendrickson also risks his life once he finds out he can get some more intel on the Screamers because he's seen now two different variations than he's ever seen. And he's like, what the fuck? He's like, there's a type one and a type three, but what's a type two? Yeah. So when he gets back, they escape eventually and... Um, Hansen tells him that the type two is like a wounded soldier and it's, it's lure is to say like, help me, help me. Um, and we, we get like big scared cause this is some sophisticated shit. That's yeah, going it's on. terrifying. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so they can just look like anything and they're like, they're sophisticated enough to know how to lure people into traps with like a little boy with a sob story or a wounded with guy. A soldier, like, yeah. yeah. So people who like, a a, a soldier who's been fighting on us, especially this like nuked planet for so long would have so much sympathy for. Um, but yeah, um, Ross keeps telling Becker to get off his back. Um, and he says it like five times in a row and Becker accuses him of being a malfunctioning type two right before killing him like a G by fucking throwing that knife into him while he's standing on this like steel beam, like uh, above just hundreds of feet of, of nothing, just yeah. like shink, like throws yeah, and, that shit right and, into him. Yeah, and Ross is pulling his gun out. Yeah. To shoot him. He's like, straight up like he Han Solo's him. Yeah. Real he fast. straight takes him out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Hendrickson pulls the knife out and we see blood and everybody's pretty pissed at Becker at this point because he definitely just killed a person <laughs> in their minds. Yeah. Um, and another showdown occurs with uh, Becker and Hanson and Becker talks his way out of it. He's like, yeah, I goofed. All right, I'll give you that. But, like, you going to kill another person? Or do you think that I'm a screamer? And yeah. he, like, you know, he's kind of, like, letting her in on his plan at that point, sort of, sort of, because he definitely is a screamer. Well, he's not letting her in on shit, because, like, she's a screamer. Yeah, well, I think that's, he's kind of communicating, like, you see what I did? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we leave Neb Command. So this is when we decide, like, Hendrickson finally gets his motherfucking head back on straight, and he's like, I need to get back to the bunker right now. Yes. Like, this is fucked, and we got to go. Yeah. Uh, so this is the beginning of Act 3. Um, it's time to go back to base. They said, uh-oh, base is fucked. And this is a great this is a great scene, though, because, like, when they're outside of the base, and he keeps hearing Chuck be like, yeah, just come on in. Yeah. Just come on down. Yeah. Just come on down. And he's like, hey, can I talk to... Uh, Rabbit, uh, Mozart? Yeah, can I talk to Mozart? He's like, this is Mozart on the line. Like, just come on down. Come on down. He, they really are trying to lure them into the base. Yeah. Because we 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 know from the, the quote earlier, just like, first they get inside. Yeah. And that's when the killing starts. Right. Um, which is funny, though, because it just shows that the they're not all a complete hive mind. Yeah. Because the screamers, this is, yeah, this is interesting, because the screamers shouldn't want Henderson to die. Yeah. Because the whole point is to get off this planet. Yeah. And his DNA, as we learn later on... Right, which they don't know. Yeah. I guess they don't know, but they do know... That he's in charge. That he's in charge. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it, it just feels weird to me that they have divulging, diverging interests. Yeah. And yeah, they have that... Well, because they are... I think it makes sense in the way that we, we learn later on that they are... Beca some of them have become so sophisticated that they're learning, like, human emotion. Yeah. Like, when we find out... Just to jump ahead, when we find out that Hansen is a screamer, um, she is, like, probably the most advanced one that they have because she's like, fuck the mission. I love I love Hendrickson. Did, did they ever have sex? 
I don't think they have sex. Maybe they did, like, off camera. Yeah. But they definitely show them kissing when they're, like, trying to get back to the, the Alamo. Which is a crazy scene because he just cut her fucking hand and then he's like, oh, now I kiss you. <laughs> yeah, now I, now I yeah. kiss you. He's like, like, I'm sorry. You know, I just get so crazy. I'm so, it's my, it's, I just had to know. You know what I'm saying? I'm paranoid. And she's just like, don't do that again It was like a deep cut. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he, yeah. He, he's real shook after he finds out that Becker is a but screamer. The, yeah, but the Davids all start coming out in waves and it just is so goofy looking too because it's <laughs> yeah. like they got the original kid up front and they keep cutting back to him but like all around him are kids of like different sizes, <laughs> young adults, some motherfucker in a mask, like just like well, some of them are clearly in masks. Like some of them, they didn't even try. Like some of them in the back, they give it, they given up at a certain point. They're like, you're in the back, we can't really see you. But the lens, the the depth of field that they chose is is too far back, and I can see clearly <laughs> the people in the back. I'm like, I can see all the Davids. Like if you wanted to, you should have like. Had them in shadow and yeah. like silhouette, like you did earlier. And just do better. You should have not given because they really half-assed some of the Davids. Like <laughs> the first in the front line, there's like three or four that look pretty like the kid. But then as yeah. you get like five, six back, yeah, it's just like me back there in a little red yeah. jacket holding a teddy bear. I'm just like, can I come with you? Can it's I like, come with you? God damn it! <laughs> They're like, Liam, can you? You know what? Fuck it. You're good. Everything. <laughs> this is not gonna matter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe that. I think maybe they had like run low, like run out. If they were shooting it chronologically, or if this is one of the later scenes that they shot, maybe they were low on budget. Yeah. But and they were like, God damn, we wasted too much on that fucking titty VR scene. They <laughs> wasted a lot on the little um, iguana CGI because that screamer was totally CGI. Yeah, and maybe they were like. Uh, should we shoehorn in some titties in this movie? We'll do it with VR. It's like, but you had a real lady right there, already topless. Like, why didn't, if you needed titties, why didn't, this is just a weird titty distribution in this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we have the, I like that the Mozart callback is good. The Army of Davids is a good idea. <laughs> it's not, it's poorly executed. I mean, but, it is terrifying still. Yeah, it's, it's, it's effective. I mean, kind of sort terrifying. Of, sort of, sort of. Because <laughs> they don't like the thing is that the, the the original screamers like whiz they're really fast but these yeah. are like zombies yeah and they go down like pretty much like zombies yeah they I don't mean, like shoot blades out of their hands or no but we find we see later on when one of the Davids is being burned after uh, Jefferson nukes the damn place with his little nuke rocket uh, his uh, his Nerf gun he um, as one of them burns it cuts to a shot of the the hand burning and. When the hand, like all the flesh from the hand is gone, it like separates in the middle and a little blade pops out. Yeah. So, like, potentially these are lethal machines, but they. No, they're definitely lethal. I guess they, they, they're more concerned with tagging. But at this point, like, there's nothing else to tag. Why aren't they all just like coming out and like, and yeah, yeah, trying, yeah. To, trying to kill people? Yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. We forget, we forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, so they nuke the base, um, and then it's time to start the twists. Oh, my God. Uh, come on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the five twists. So we, uh, Becker is a screamer. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a teardrop tattoo. Yep, and we see that, you know, as, as is the case with, with many of the other screamers that we see. From this point on. From this point on. Um, he caps Jefferson real fast. He just squeezes he him. He squeezes him to death. He squeezes him real hard. And he just quotes Shakespeare at him the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And there's a great there's a great scene, like, right after he kills Jefferson, they do what is their attempt at the Rutger, Tears, Tears yeah. in the Rain, Rutger Hauer speech from, from Blade Runner. He is a Bobo-ass Rutger he Hauer. He really is. I mean, he's like, if you tried to make Kurt Russell into, into Rutger Hauer and just gave him some 
silly shit to say. But, like, but worse than Kurt Russell. He's like, oh yeah, much worse. Bobo Kurt Russell, wannabe Rutger Hauer. He, <laughs> he says, I came into the world with my legs forward, and the women cried. He was born with teeth. I had no father. I am my own father. I have no brother. I am my own brother. This word love, which old farts call blind, be resident in men like you, asshole, but not in me. I am my motherfucking self, alone. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Though. Like that. Like I get that it sounds cool, but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it like doesn't at the mean end, anything. Yeah, the end it means nothing. It's yeah. like, what are you saying? Because this is your moment for your evil robots to talk to us. Yeah, I guess he's saying like I'm sentient, like I am me, like. But it just ends up sounding like DJ Khaled. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah. I am my motherfucking self. <laughs> it's like, well. You didn't explain any of your animosity towards people then. Because, like, you've gotten to the point where you're making decisions on your own. Yeah. Your programming has been deviated. And why do you care about people? Right. What is your, what's your issue? Like, your AI is so sophisticated that you can t- walk and talk and think. And, like, all you want to do still, though, is kill. Like, your prime directive is still seems to be present. And yeah. it still seems to be what you want to do. Which, I mean, I think they make a case for that earlier in the movie when uh, Hendrickson is... He's taking apart the the screamer on on the at the bunker before they go right. on a mission, and he explains to Jefferson that even once their like brain chip has been removed, they still have this natural aggression programming. Like they still will, no matter what has happened to them, if they are able to hurt you, they will try. Yeah. Um, which I guess maybe that's hard to overcome. But he just said he's his motherfucking self. Yeah. I feel like if they had like just hunkered down and given a few more months for some of the screamers to grow more sophisticated like the OG Hanson then they would have just been like hey what's up like you guys you got something good on TV or yeah you trying to hang out wouldn't or? it be great <laughs> if they had had like a back and forth though between Hendrickson and uh what's his name Becker like if, yeah. if he had rebutted his claim yeah. of autonomy but like instead he, he just shoot him yeah he just shoots him <laughs> and it's a really whack ass <laughs> yeah. I mean like the, the first bullet in his face is kind of cool because he mm-hmm. spits it out yeah um, he spits it right out, and then, like, he kind of goes into, like, Demon Robo voice. Like, he yeah. goes, that's when he starts to get crazy, and there's, like, lightning coming out of him and shit. And, like, that's it, that's a, that's another trope, too. Like, the malfunctioning, like, head-shaky robot right. that's coming after you, and it's, like, trying to, you know, last-ditch ever to kill you. But, yeah, it would have been better if Hendrickson had actually had something to fucking say here. Like, he's had something to say the entire movie. But he had nothing to say, and this is Beck- This is the big reveal. Like, this is the reveal that, like... They're even more advanced than we had already thought they were. Yeah. And then when he takes the chip out of them, he realizes that, like, it's not just models one, two, and three. Like, they they have their own language. Yes. Like, they're branding themselves in, like, a way that only they understand. Like, they, this is some some real shit that they're dealing with. And there's no way to control it. And instead of, like, popping back off at Becker, he just kills him. Which I guess is a, you know, it's a it's an efficient thing to do. Right. But, yeah, it would have been cool to have a Hendrickson line there. Um, but, yeah, so now Hendrickson, he on that paranoid tip. Like, it's after this point that he cuts Hanson. Um, but then, you know, Day in Love automatically because they're the man and woman that are left. Adam and Eve, baby. <laughs> yeah. And um, so we find out that Hendrickson has the Alamo to get to. And they can go to a place where there is actually, like, an escape pod. Because Hendrickson, as the commander of this place has his get-out-of-jail-free card where he can go, and it's like it's only his DNA that will open it, and there's a spacecraft inside. So um, 
Yeah. Enter the Chuck Screamer. <laughs> Another Screamer. Yeah. Another twist. Uh, yeah. Hendrickson and, and Hansen get into the, the pod, and there's a crane blocking where the space, spaceship is. Hold on now. Don't you fucking skip over the projector light lasers. <laughs> this, this is my one, like, DP note that I thought, like, even for the time, I was like, this is stupid. Like, I, if I had been on set, I, I feel... Like, here I am talking shit, but, like, I I just feel that this is dumb, and I feel like somebody should have been like, hey, man, like, we don't need a laser grid. Yeah, like yeah. we don't we don't need a projector light laser grid. Like, yeah. this looks dumb, dude. Like, yeah. this, like, it's clearly a projector at the end of the room. <laughs> like, this... This is one of the worst sets, too. Right, this is the worst set. Yeah. I, and I, this looks stupid. Like, the crane looks great. Yeah, the crane like, is a... look fantastic. Big, dope industrial piece of machinery yeah that cool. looks fucking fantastic the spaceship and, looks awful yeah and it's just like let's just let's rethink the design a little bit and like come up with a different way because like this projector shit is dumb but yeah. I feel like they were in a hole they had to have it and you know I don't know I just felt like the it's just green and blue lights and it's super underwhelming and it does not look like a laser show and like People had projectors in 1995. Like, everybody knows what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that is just a projector. Well, and th that leads into some, the worst storytelling in the movie, which is where they completely fail to commit to their premise. And Hendrickson now, instead of being like an OG and realizing, and, and coming, he could have come full circle on what he was saying at the beginning of the movie to Chuck, which is that we're all going to die on this planet. Like, they've given up on us. There's no, there's no hope of going back. I'm going to die here. I know it. He's like, no, I want to escape. Like, yeah. I want to get out of here. And he has his face off with the Chuck robot, and we get some more unnecessary exposition from the Chuck screamer. The, the same lines about, like, I came into this world with my legs forward. Yeah, and he's talking, he just kind of gives him all this information about how they can replicate people's faces. And it's like, all that can be assumed at this point. Like, there's no reason to to deepen the the explanation of how sophisticated these robots are. And they're not furthering their dialogue. Like, no. they could have begun with Becker, and then it could have ended here. Yeah. Like, it could have been, like, the dialogue started with Becker about... Because it's going to be the same thing of their questioning of their own autonomy, of their right to exist. Yeah. And then here it could have been resolved, and he could have ended it with one of those gangster one-liners, like... Yeah. Like, where Hendrickson could have said some real gangster shit to him yeah. about how, like, nobody has a right to exist. We're all trash or yeah. something. Like, and then, and then, boom, got your bitch ass. Yeah, continued his, like, dope, nihilistic, right. like... Sensibilities, but this is the thing where, like, I'm like, you're a hive mind. Mm -hmm. But that's this is where I have the conflict because it's like you have, it's like you have knowledge from the previous ones, right? Because you're using the same, or quoting the same things that Becker was quoting. Yeah, but that, but they're still autonomous slightly. And how the fuck did he get in? That's another question. Yeah, how the fuck did he get in? Was the door just left open? How the fuck does the other Hanson get in? How the yeah? How it, the fuck are they getting in? It doesn't yeah. It doesn't make any sense because that door definitely closes behind them, right? Yes. Do they show that? Because they yeah. It doesn't make any sense that they're in it. Well, if they didn't close the door behind them, I mean, Jesus Christ! <laughs> like yeah. like Jesus Christ, Hendrickson! Like well, and like they've been running for quite some time, and they had to take breaks. And like I mean, the 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 Hanson, the OG Hanson, not the secondary Hanson, does a really great job of committing to like acting like a human because they make their way through all I of their reds. I think she was a human until the very last day of shooting and they're like, you're a fucking replicant. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> like a screamer. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Well, I no, I don't think so because... Okay, so this is... To get into it a little bit, this is based on a Philip K. Dick story that takes... And he's like a prolific sci-fi writer. I think he wrote uh, Scanners as well. And um, uh, Androids 
Dream of Sleep or whatever, and which yeah. was made into Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he it, that's the original story. There's a couple of major variations from from that to to this. Um, and the first is that the the story that he wrote actually takes place on Earth after a nuclear holocaust and not on this other planet. Um, and I think the idea to set it on a remote planet helps the plot, like setting the thing in Ar- Antarctica, which is like super remote. Good. Uh, the other major difference in the between the original story and the movie is that the Hanson character um, is not like does not fall in love with the protagonist and successfully tricks the Hendrickson character, and there's not a happy ending. And I that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's much better in my opinion because the movie would have been more successful if they committed to going full dark. Like Hendrickson is established to be he's too smart to realize that he's not ending his life on this planet. Like, he should believe that he's going to die here. Yeah, and once he finds out that there's the, the, it's so widespread that even he has been tricked, like, they could even still, they could still have gone with the two Hansons, even though it doesn't make any other fucking sense how the other one gets into the base. But, like, as soon as she says, like, I can love, like, that should be something that he's so, like, it might tear him up, but he's got to know, like, Everybody here has got to go. He's got a shooter. Yeah, everything's got to go. Like I've got to destroy the spaceship. Right, he should blow up the spaceship. Yeah, and That's I've exactly got to, right. And I've got to die here, and I've got to make sure that no, like I got to transmit something to Earth that says like, do not come to Sirius Six B. The Screamers are their own thing. Like they, they have taken control. And well, I mean, theoretically, they're going to build their own spaceship. Yeah, I mean they're they're so advanced and they have so many parts. Like they, he should just be like, just destroy Sirius Six B. You have to destroy Sirius Six B. Yeah, I mean that's the only solution. So, yeah, it just, I don't, I don't get why they somehow gave him this like super urge to get back to Earth. Maybe to warn people. Like it, I guess you could say that like they had already taken control of their communication systems because they gave him that bogus VR transmission at the beginning. So like maybe he wanted to warn people. But the thing is, there's a sequel to this movie that came out. Um, Wait for real? Yeah, they just came out of the teddy bear. Yeah, well, so you would think, <laughs> but the beginning to the sequel to this movie is um, we find out that Hendrickson, because at the end of the movie, uh, he takes off his tab when he's in the spaceship, and we see the teddy bear come alive because it can sense his pulse now. Um, and at the beginning of the sequel, we find out that he intentionally let his spaceship burn up when it was entering the Earth's atmosphere, ostensibly to make sure that the teddy bear screamer was destroyed along with him because he would have realized that it was active when it probably tried to kill him. Um, How would he stayed it off, saved it off for that long? I don't know. I mean, maybe it was little enough that he could get a hold to it or somehow, like, trap it in something. I don't know. But, like, then there's, like, his daughter goes on a mission to Sirius 6B because they get some sort of transmission or something like that. Like, the screamers, I think, are like, come here and help us. And he's dead, so he can't warn them about what's going on. Um, but, yeah, I just, it, the, the ending of this, it, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, the, the second Hanson, nowhere near as cool as O.G. Hanson. She just, this actress does not do a very good job being a bad guy. Um, she does share her ability to, like, smile and bleed and fuck. <laughs> and which is a horrible line, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know we get some cool stuff with O.G. Hansen kind of sacrificing herself to save Hendrickson, la 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 la. But like, he needs to destroy the spaceship, 
and die on this like literally forsaken planet, like forsaken yeah. by the people who sent everybody there. Like he is not he's not a G as Kurt Russell in the thing. Like yeah, he doesn't make that sacrifice. Yeah, but it's like, and she's like the the Hanson OG Hanson is like, I love you. It's like he's like, oh wow, that's very advanced. That's crazy. Let's just rush on past that. Like I gotta get out of here. <laughs> but the teddy bear. So that wraps up the plot. My, How does he not notice the teddy bear? I, I don't know if he doesn't notice it or, he or brought if he it brought it with, it with him? him. Like, why would you bring anything that was attached to a screamer? Yeah. It, yeah, the, 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 the ending is the worst part of the Well, because they set him up. I think the problem that you have and I have with it is that they set Henderson up as such a smart protagonist. Yeah. And they, like, make, they go into... They, to take great pains to show us his technical know-how, his yeah. his historical know-how, his leadership abilities, and they really make him intelligent. And then he keeps making these very obvious blunders. Yeah. And then by making the screamers ninjas at the end too, yeah. and having them be able to just appear places, <laughs> yeah. you take away oh so much from the movie. It's like you should have a million Davids banging on the walls outside. Like yeah. there should be some shit happening. Like they shouldn't just be able to like. Poop, I'm here. Poop, I'm here. Yeah. There should be there's there's no stakes at that end yeah. part because they can just appear. Like they're just in the same place. Even though they could I mean, I guess they they tracked them down, they wouldn't have shown themselves so that they could get to the spaceship. No, I get them not attacking them until they get into the room. Yeah. But how did they get in the room? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And then then that last bit of dialogue, it's like, why did you have why do you have his friend's face? Yeah. Too. It's 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 like I'm, I really want there to be some kind of back and forth between. Well, he goes to he go, he explains like we can take faces. I get this that. Is how I took your face, but like there's no there's no emotional stakes to that. And what's the point at yeah. this point? Like there's an, he's the last guy. He you're you're killing machines. You should be insanely efficient. Yeah. You you're seriously like you just kill him and you get on the ship. Like you have achieved your objective. Yeah. It just it's it's uh. Some real low energy shit. Yeah, the end of this movie is just it just falls apart. Like yeah. I feel like that's like you said in the beginning. It's the beginning, which doesn't make any sense why Chuck is afraid of the screamers and the whole sequence of the beginning. And then at the end, like where it's just like I'm a screamer, I'm a screamer, I'm in love with you, I'm, I'm a screamer. Yeah, and it's well, and the thing is, we had a lot of time that we could have used in like leading up to the climax of the movie, where we could have like done something different with the with the bunker scene, and we could have. Really, because it's just a gun that saves them in the bunker scene. Like, all these reveals could have happened way earlier and, like, started setting up tension. And we could have had, like, the gang kind of turn on each other. And then, like, that that would have been kind of a direct rip of the thing. But it would have been a better storytelling mechanism than to just have it all happen within the last ten minutes of the movie. Um, Yeah, I mean, and it's just the, 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 the real problem with the ending sequences is just there's no tension. Yeah, like there's none. And it, we build it so it, they they build it so well in the earlier action sequences in the movie, yep. and it's like it's actually scary, and they achieve a level of like dread in yes. in the audience in the viewer that is really good. Like it's very effective, and then. I mean, and we've we've spent all this time developing the sense of isolation and paranoia just to pay up with like some shoot 'em ups and a couple of like fist fights. Yeah, and it, it's like, and, and Hendrickson should be getting wrecked by these machines. Yeah, I mean, he does. He I mean, kind of, but like he gets tossed around. Yeah, but he doesn't suffer any real damage. Yeah, I mean, well, 
but yeah. But the pros. I mean, there are some pro. There are some good things. There are good things about this movie. There are definitely good things. Everything that happens between like the couple opening scenes and the climax at the bunker, like there, the sequences in the Neb headquarters are awesome. Uh, yeah. P- Peter Weller, like we were saying earlier, has a great presence. Um, I'm kind of bummed that he never got his like real shot. Like I know he did RoboCop and I know he did Buckaroo Banzai, but like he never got a shot at the movie that wasn't like straight sci-fi really like a big movie yeah and probably he would put he got put in movie jail after this one because it made it was uh filmed on a 20 million dollar budget and it made seven million worldwide that's pretty bad pretty bad over 50 percent loss um but yeah but you know it's it's a good b movie yeah, it is it is i mean it's not a bad movie it's got a really cool premise too yeah and some of the practical effects are great too yeah. Um, some quibbles that I had are one major quibble. Uh, comparing the streamers to swords is dumb. <laughs> like, they're much more saw-based. Like, yeah. every one of them has a saw blade on it. There's no reason to call it a sword. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I got. How about your, uh, how about your closing thoughts? I think I'm probably in the cult of screamers. Yeah. As, like, a pretty good sci-fi movie. Like, it, it's not bad. Yeah. Like, I would recommend, I'd be like, we can watch Screamers, we can have laugh at some of the dumb parts, we can enjoy some of the good parts, and overall, I, I think it, you know, pretty good sci-fi movie. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the cult, too. I'm in the, And I, I did enjoy, I know we talked about a lot of the bad shit in it, but that's just because it's the most interesting shit to talk about. Like, this is, this is a fun watch, and I, I would definitely watch it again. All right, cool. I'm in the cult. All right. Well, that has been this episode of The Cult of Classics. Uh, tune in next time, when we'll be talking about something else that you can... Brag about your friends to. Brag about your friends to the movie. Brag about your friends to the movie. (laughs) (laughs) We love y'all. Yeah.